through the Gospel of Mark. And we're currently studying the end times as contained in what is called the Olivet Discourse. That's a discussion that Jesus was having with his followers and with his disciples uh, when he was in the Mount of Olives. They had come from Jericho over to Jerusalem and uh, they were meeting. It was a, the, the Mount of Olives was a beautiful place to meet. And it had a wonderful view of the temple. So when Jesus was discussing the end times and what was going to have, happen to the temple, etc., uh, they could see it right, right in front of them. And they had, they had a beautiful view uh, when they were discussing. And so uh, Jesus and his disciples and followers were there shortly after they had arrived. And uh, the discussion progressed into covering what would happen to the temple. And then in the future, what was going to happen, all the way to what we refer to as the end times. Now, in light of our study, I was intrigued by a sign that I saw. It was over on uh, Fairfield. This is over in Layton. You know, Fairfield runs from Gentile up to 193. And along that road, along Fairfield, is a church. And a, a couple weeks ago, they put up a sign, different message every week or so. And there for a week, they had a sign there on the property, and it went like this. Jesus is coming back. Are you ready for the judgment he will bring? Jesus is coming back. Are you ready for the judgment that he will bring? And that sign summarizes what we're going to be studying about today. We'll be looking at what uh, we read to do to be ready for Christ's return. And how should we live at this point in our history as we draw closer and closer to the end times? Now, many people are doing as though time isn't going to run out. Let me refer you to Philippians 3, 18 through 20. For I have told you often before, and I say again with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows that they really are enemies of the cross of Christ. They are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things, and they think only about this life here on earth. But we are citizens of heaven, where the Lord Jesus lives, and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. Amen? Amen? Amen. So we are citizens of heaven. But these people that he's describing in this passage, they're completely focused on earthly matters. Jesus points in, in uh, an illustration, he points to a fig tree to have us focus on a very different outlook. This is in Mark chapter 13. This is about the fig tree. Now learn a lesson from the fig tree. When its branches bud and its leaves begin to sprout, you know that summer is near. In the same way, when you see these things taking place, you can know that his return is very near, right at the door. I tell you the truth. 
this generation, or could also be translated this race, will not pass from the scene before all these things take place. Heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. So all is not despair. Summer is coming. The Son of God will return. So what should we do? Well, we're told to do this. However, no one knows the day or the hour when these things will happen, not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself. Only the Father knows. And since you don't know what the time will, when the time will come, be on guard, stay alert. And since we don't know the exact time of his return, we need to stay alert. And Jesus gave us and his followers an example or an illustration. He says the, sunny, the coming of the Son of Man can be illustrated by a story of a man going on a long trip. When he left home, he gave each of his slaves instructions about the work they were to do. And he told the gatekeeper to watch for his return. You, too, must keep watch, for you don't know when the master of the household will return. In the evening, at midnight, before dawn, or daybreak, don't let him find you sleeping when he arrives. Without warning, I say to you what I say to everyone. Watch for him. So he is admonishing us not to be caught napping when he comes. We are to watch for him. And he is being very patient with us. He tells us how patient in 2 Peter. He says, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, wants everyone to repent. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise, and the very uh, elements themselves will disappear in fire, and the earth and everything on it will be uh, found to deserve judgment. And then in 2 Peter chapter 3, he says, Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives should we live? Look forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. And so, dear friends, while you're waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in his sight. And remember, our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. Are we ready? Well, Mark 1.1 says this is the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. The time promised by God has come at last, Jesus announced. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. It's time from these verses, it's time we should realize to be ready. It's time to get ready. Now here's how you could get ready. Let me give you some practical ways that we could get ready for the end times. Number one, be aware of your spiritual health. How is your spiritual health? Are you born again? Are you growing in Christ? Are you following the Spirit of God? 
Second thing we need to do is be getting your family ready. Are you cultivating the faith of your family by your testimony and your godly life? Thirdly, be spreading the gospel. Mark 13.10 tells us the gospel must be preached to all nations. In other words, the great commission that Jesus gave us must be fulfilled. As he says in Matthew 24.14, he says this, and the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. Then the fourth thing we need to do is be in the Word, growing closer to Jesus and meeting together with His people. After all, you're going to be spending eternity with Him. You might as well start getting to know Him now. Why wait till eternity? Fifth thing we need to do is major on the majors. Focus on what is important to God. We tend to spend too much, way too much of our time and effort on things that have no lasting impact. And sixthly, and this, this is hard to take, but don't be surprised by persecution and attacks. Mark 13, 9 and through 11 says, you must be on your guard. You will be handed over to local authorities and flogged in the synagogue. On account of me, you will stand before governors and kings as witnesses to them. Jesus warned us that we would be persecuted as he was persecuted. Now, these are just a few practical steps we can do to get ready for Christ's return. But Jesus advises us to be, he repeatedly over and over again tells us in Mark, be on your guard, be alert, keep watch. Don't let him find you sleeping, watch. In verse Uh, 1337 he says what I say to you I say to everyone watch now let me me give you an illustration from our our family's history Uh, in the late 1970s and and early 80s uh, our family moved to Puerto Rico to the island of Puerto Rico our denomination that we were part of at that time uh, had a a work going there, and it included three different things that they were uh, presenting on the island. Uh, There was a school, kindergarten through high school, K through 12, about a thousand students in this school, and they maintained this, this Christian school for the people of Puerto Rico. They had a Bible college that prepared young ministers to pastor churches and to to run ministries. They also had 13 churches spread across the island. My wife Sandy taught English and social studies in the high school. And uh, I taught physics and Bible in the high school, taught in the Bible college, coached track and field. But my responsibilities evolved to where I became a, a coordinator for all three branches of that particular work. Now, Puerto Rico is, as you know, an island, but it's, it's only 30 miles north to south. 30 miles, that's it. And it's about 100 miles east to west. And on that island, 30 miles by 100 miles, live four 
million people. Now that's crowded. <laughs> it's one of the most crowded places in the entire Western Hemisphere. And on the east side of the island was the Atlantic Ocean. On the west side of the island was the Caribbean. And the mountain range runs through the middle of the island, east to west, that contained a beautiful rainforest. Beaches were on all sides of the island. San Juan was the main port. And due to the location of the island being at the entrance to the Caribbean, it was a great place for the United States to have military bases, and they have several bases on the island. Six months out of the year, the weather is absolutely perfect. There's no better weather on Earth than those six months out of the year. The other six months are hot, very hot. And in those days, there was no, virtually no air conditioning on the island. A few stores, big stores, uh, might have air conditioning, but they was, those are about the only places. Well, the greatest challenge living on the island, weather-wise, was not the heat. It was tropical storms that would come in from the Atlantic and, and come across the island. Big tropical storms. <laughs> and they would, uh, they would smash into the island and the rain would come down literally in sheets and uh, overwhelm the drainage systems and there would be flooding all over the island. The winds were relentless. It would blow down trees, blow down power lines. Usually when a tropical storm would hit, the electric power grid would go out. You'd be without power. And because there was no electricity, there were no pumps, and the water would stop. You wouldn't have any water uh, through your pipes. Flooding would be everywhere. So it was absolutely critical that the people had a warning to prepare for what was coming. You needed to get ready because you didn't want to be found surprised when the storm hit. We were fortunate. We were some of the most fortunate people on the island because we had the most reliable warning system on the island. We had a dog <laughs> named Pepper. Mixture, Border Collie, Sheltie. And when the tropical storm would approach the island, Pepper would begin to tremble, just like the oh, 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 violently tremble. You couldn't stop it, but you knew a tropical storm was coming. Nothing would calm her down, but it was a great sign. And we would know long before the weather reports, long before the television said anything, we would know that a tropical storm was on its way. So we had time to get ready, more so than most folks. So when she started to tremble, it was a warning uh, that the storm was coming and we would start making necessary preparations right away. <coughs> Excuse me. Well, some of the preparations would be, first of all, you'd get the car in the carport. You didn't want the car to be outside. No telling how many branches and trees would land on it 
and what damage the wind would do and what would hit the car that was being blown around. So the first thing you wanted to do uh, is you wanted to get the car moved into the carport. Secondly was the Marcasina. Marcasina needed to be cleared of anything, anything that uh, was not bolted down. Now let me explain the Marcasina. Uh, the Marcasina was like a porch without walls. It's where you went to escape the heat of the house. Many appliances like washers, dryers, freezers, all those things were kept on the Marcasina because you didn't want appliances, you wanted as, flu, as few appliances as possible inside the house because they were, it made the heat worse. And many meals were eaten on the Marcasina because it was cooler out there. It had a roof, but no walls, just columns and reha, reha bars, security bars, but no walls. So you needed to get all the stuff off the Marcasina that wasn't nailed down. Then you needed water supply. So since the water supply <clears throat> to the house to the houses where it was cut off, you needed to store water, okay? So you would fill everything you could with water, jars, bottles, buckets, bathtubs. <laughs> you'd, you'd get as much water stored as possible because you knew that you were probably going to be without water. You needed to build up a supply of food that didn't need refrigeration. So you, you would get, you'd take fruit and vegetables and bread and things that didn't have to be refrigerated and you'd store up those to use when the, when the power went out and you didn't have any refrigeration. The windows, which were made out of aluminum, aluminum louvers, were shut tight to prevent the rain from getting inside the house. And of course, you needed a lot of, you needed light at night, so you could, you get out lanterns, flashlights, anything you could that you could use during the nighttime. But the main danger were flying debris due to high winds and also uh, large amounts of water flooding parts of the city. Down power lines were also a challenge. Now, when the dog stopped shaking, you knew the storm was about to end. And then the cleanup would start. And everybody waited for the power to come back on and the water service to get up and running. The point is this, the people who suffered the most were those who had little or no warning. Or they didn't heed the warning about the, the pending storm. The same thing is true about the end times, and which is also called the tribulation. And Jesus tells us over and over again, be alert, be on guard, don't get caught sleeping, be prepared. Now, how do we do that? We've already shared with you a list, just to remind you briefly, be assured of your own spiritual health. Are you born again? Are you growing in Christ? Are you filled with the Spirit? And if you need help with any of these things, ask. We're glad to help you with these things. 
but you need also to be getting your family ready, cultivating that with your own testimony and godly life. Then there's the spreading of the gospel. The Great Commission must be fulfilled according to the Bible. And you need to be in the Word personally with others. And, and the fifth thing is you need to major on the major, major on what's important to God. And don't be surprised by persecution and attacks that will come. Now, people ask me, they'll say, well, are we coming up on the end times? How would you answer? Are we coming up on the end times? And my answer is, the dog is shaky. The dog is shaky. And we better get ready. We learned early on in Puerto Rico that it wasn't wise to ignore it when the dog started to shake. It was time to get ready. Now, how do we know it's the time to prepare? Well, there are several signs. Number one, God's Word, the Bible, is under vicious attack from any number of sources people are trying to wipe out God's word the scriptures that's one sign God's word is under attack number two I'm I'm not going to tell you how old I am but I'm old enough to remember I'm old enough to remember the holocaust I remember vividly the pictures and the photos of the concentration camps. I saw the horrors of the gas chambers. I saw the human ovens, all to do, designed to obliterate, exterminate God's people, the Jews. We now have hundreds of thousands of people filling our streets and the streets around the world, calling for a return to the Holocaust. Screaming, screaming, top of their lungs for the Holocaust to return. Um, I never thought I would see that again. I remember when it happened before, but it's happening again. God's people are being assaulted. God's word is being assaulted. God's creation is being belittled by gender dysphoria or gender confusion. We're spending millions of dollars to correct God's creation. The dog is shaking. The good news, God's message that the gospel is still being proclaimed. People are being called to repent, to confess, to believe and receive Jesus. We see messages on TV daily by people like Franklin Graham, Greg Laurie, Michael Youssef, all calling people to repent, 
confess, believe, and receive Christ. But the enemy is doing all he can to cancel them and lure the public away to follow the gods of this world. So, God's word, God's people, God's creation, God's gospel are under assault. The dog is shaking. But Jesus will prevail. He said he will return for his faithful followers. Will we be ready? Our response was was the focus of a song written during the Jesus Revolution of the 1970s. It's a song written by Larry Norman. It was sung by millions who turned to Christ during that spiritual awakening. The song goes like this. Let me just share with you some of the verses. Life was filled with guns and war, and everyone got trampled on the floor. I wish we'd all been ready. Children died. The days grew cold. A piece of bread could buy a bag of gold. I wish we'd all been ready. There's no time to change your mind. The sun has come and you've been left behind. A man and wife asleep in bed. She hears a noise and turns her head. He's gone. I wish we'd all been ready. Two men walking up a hill. One disappears and one's left standing still. I wish we'd all been ready. There's no time to change your mind. The sun has come and you have been left behind. Are you ready? I pray to God you're ready. In fact, let's do that. Let's take time to pray. Lord, we bow before you today. You are the coming Messiah. You will return. And I pray for each one here, each family here, that we will be diligent to get ready. We cry out, Maranatha, Lord, come. But we need to get ready. We can't just go on going on. We need to focus on you, our relationship with you, our family's relationship with you, our community's relationship with you. We need to get ready. Help each one here today to grab a hold of you and hold on tightly and follow you closely with hope in our hearts and the vision of the coming Lord in our eyes as you return. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.